Father, we come before you right now. And God, we just lay aside distractions and we fix our focus on you. And Father, we are asking that you would speak to each and every one of us in a significant way today. God, we thank you for your word, which is alive. Speak to us by your word and by your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, last week... Uh, Pastor Zach shared a great message, didn't he? For those of you who were here, he talked about all of us having a part and a responsibility in helping to reach the lost, helping others recognize that they can have relationship with God. And for all of us, we're able to do that. We're able to have relationship with God because of the cross, right? Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. And then two weeks ago, Pastor Gary shared a great message, and we really had amazing services that day. He talked about healing, and again, we went back to the cross, and we saw from scripture that healing is part of what Jesus accomplished on Calvary for each one of us. And here at the bridge, we like to say that we never want to get far from the cross. We always want to stay close to the cross. We never want to focus on just one aspect of what was accomplished for us on the cross. We want to have a clear whole picture of everything that was accomplished on Calvary for us. It's because of the cross that we can have a covenant relationship with God where everything that was paid for on Calvary becomes ours to walk in and access by faith. And a covenant is basically a contract, okay? So it's like a binding legal agreement. So I want you just to imagine with me if you received a phone call from someone saying that they are the executor of a distant relative's estate and that you have been named in their will. And they tell you, in fact, they have left many, many things to you. There is a long list of things that they've left to you. And the first thing on the list is a brand new luxury car. And they have left that to you. But there's many other things too. That is just the first. Would you say, oh, just, just stop right there. I don't really want to know about the other things. I mean, I guess, okay, I'll take the car, but I'm, just, I'm good with that. I don't need to know about the other things. No! <laughs> None of us would be crazy enough to say that. We would want to know everything that is ours, right? And we would not only want to know what is ours, we would want to know when and where we can get it and how soon we can start enjoying it, right? That's the way we should be with the covenant that we step into when we enter a relationship with God that we want to know all that has been accomplished on Calvary for us. We want to experience all of it and walk in all of it. So today, in addition to what we've seen and talked about over the last two weeks, we're going to see something else that is ours because of the cross. Did you know that in Isaiah 54 and verse 10, it says that we have been given 
a covenant of peace. Anyone ever need peace? Yeah. (laughs) We all need the peace of God. But the good news is that it has already been provided to us. I want us to look this morning at Isaiah 53. Now, I know we looked at this passage of Scripture two weeks ago, but I just want to refer back to it again briefly this morning. This is where the Spirit of God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to describe all that will be accomplished through the death of Jesus on the cross. And let's start in verse 4. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs. When we looked at this passage two weeks ago, we saw that that word grief, it literally means sickness. It applies to our physical sickness. But it also, in the original writings, means even more than that. In addition to physical sickness, it also means anxiety and misery from calamity. And then it says, he carried our sorrows. We saw that that word sorrows refers to our pain, our physical pain, which it does. But additionally, that word in the original writing means even more than that. It also refers to our anguish, affliction, grief, and literal sorrow. It says, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, for our sins, and he was bruised. Did you know that that word bruised, it literally means to be crushed, destroyed, humiliated, and oppressed, which means to have one's mind heavily weighted down with cares and sorrows. It was for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. That word peace literally is referring to our wholeness welfare, soundness, wholeness of mind and heart. And by his stripes, we are healed. These two verses make it very clear that Jesus took the punishment for our sins so that we can walk in forgiveness and in relationship with him. And he took the stripes on his body so we can walk in physical healing and health. And Jesus took on mental and emotional anguish and pain so we can walk in peace. Have you ever stopped to think about the mental and emotional pain that Jesus endured for us? Verse 3 says that he was despised and rejected by men, he was hated. He was considered worthless, rejected. It says that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It's literally saying that he took on anguish and affliction and pain. When it says that he was acquainted with grief, we think of that word acquainted like an acquaintance. Oh, we don't really know them. We just, you know, barely know who they are. That's not what this word means here. This word acquainted in this verse from the original writings means to know in the most intimate and personal way. In the most intimate and personal way, he 
knew and experienced every emotional and mental pain that we would ever endure. And just before Jesus was taken to the cross, we know that he went into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And it says that he became sorrowful and deeply distressed. Do you know that that literally means that he took on mental distress and depression, knowing what was coming? I remember when I was going through the most difficult and painful time of my life, I felt that I had been rejected, abandoned, betrayed, and I felt the Lord remind me of what Jesus endured for me. He reminded me that Jesus was rejected, that Jesus was abandoned, that Jesus was betrayed. He was horrifically mocked. He was abused, beaten beyond recognition. And I thought about the incredible emotional and mental turmoil he endured for me. Even his own father seemed to turn his back on him. Later in Isaiah 53, it says that it pleased the father to allow this to happen to the son. Now we know that it pleased him because he knew what it would accomplish for all of us. But it doesn't change the fact that in that moment, Jesus felt that abandonment. And as God brought all that to my remembrance, he showed me that Jesus took all of that emotional and mental anguish and pain so that I would not have to live in pain any longer. Jesus took all of that mental and emotional turmoil for you so you do not have to live in internal pain any longer. Difficult things will happen in life. But Jesus paid for our peace. He's given us a covenant of peace. And he wants us to walk in his peace. You know, it's part of our salvation. We've seen it prophesied in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, when it talks about being saved, it's translated from the Greek word sozo. Now, let me put out my disclaimer. I am certainly not a Greek scholar, okay? But this word is one Greek word that I am familiar with, and it is found 103 times in the New Testament where it talks about being saved, being healed, and being made whole. Now, I am not asking any of you to become Greek scholars, but if there was just one Greek word that you would learn, let it be this word, sozo, because it really encapsulates salvation. We see it in John 3.17 where it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That word saved is the word sozo, and it means to be delivered, protected, healed, and whole. In other words, when we are saved, we can experience wholeness in our spirit. We can experience wholeness in our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we can experience wholeness in our body.
And it's great to know that, but then we have to ask, how does it happen? How do we experience that? Because when we enter a relationship with God, he doesn't just wave a magic wand over us and poof, we, we are perfected. It doesn't happen that way because we have a part. We have a responsibility. How do we enter relationship with God? We enter into relationship with God by grace through faith, right? And then faith produces action and we take steps to grow in that relationship. We access everything else that he's provided to us the very same way. Peace has been extended to us by grace and we access it by faith. But then faith should produce action. We need to take steps to walk in and to grow in that peace. The Apostle Paul is really an amazing example of someone who learned to walk in peace, even in the midst of chaos and difficulty in his life. In Philippians 4:11, he said, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I face. Learning is a process. He learned to walk in peace. Now, remember with me who we are talking about here. This is the Apostle Paul who was Saul, the one who before his radical conversion, he severely persecuted Christians. He aided in the killing of Christians. And he could have lived in extreme inner turmoil, dealing with shame and guilt, living under a cloud of condemnation. But he didn't because he found freedom from the past and he learned how to walk forward in the peace of God. Paul discovered that he could grow and expand in experiencing more of God's peace. And all of us can grow and expand in experiencing more of God's peace. In Philippians 4, verse 9, just a couple of verses before he said that, he says that these things that I've learned and that you've learned from me, do these things and the God of peace will be with you. Huh, when I read that, I don't know about you, but that makes me say, oh, then what is it that you've learned and what can I learn from you so that I can walk in peace just as you have? And so we're going to look at that today. Because in the verses that precede this in Philippians 4, he shares three lessons that he learned, three things that will help all of us walk in greater peace. Okay? So let's start in verse 2 and see what these lessons are. In verse 2 it says, I implore you, Odia, and I implore Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. You know, many people just skip past these verses and think, well, these verses don't really connect with the rest of what Paul is saying in this chapter. This is just some side note about some women having a disagreement. I mean, what else is new? I don't really need to pay attention to that. That is not the case at all. <laughs> these verses are important because this is a lesson that Paul learned. And this first lesson is refuse conflict. You see, he learned not to waste time and energy getting into conflicts with people. 
He's saying, don't be easily offended. You know, Paul had countless opportunities for conflicts. He had people opposing him. He had people angry with him for his past life. He had people who didn't think he was credible. He had people who wanted him dead. But he learned that it was a waste of time engaging in conflict with them. He learned that lesson, but now he's seeing conflict happen between those who are serving in ministry alongside him. And he's saying, whoa, 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 there's no time for this. Let it go. And then he urges the people around them, others who are serving with them, to help them let it go. I mean, there's just an additional bit of advice for us. When we see conflicts between others, we shouldn't be quick to jump on one side or the other. We should be the ones that help them bring resolution, that help them let it go so they can both move forward. But we've got to realize that there is no time for conflict. There is no time for offenses and strife between us. You know why? because they only rob us of our peace and they will end up derailing us from God's purposes for our life. So Paul tells us, instead of having conflict, this is what you do, and he continues on in verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. In other words, what he's saying is let the joy of the Lord and gentleness be what you approach people with, because there are kingdom purposes to be fulfilled. Did you know that it is really difficult to stay in conflict with people when the joy of the Lord and gentleness are permeating our relationships? It makes it impossible to stay in conflict. Have you ever known anyone who is just always mad at someone don't look at the person next to you. <laughs> I have known people who are always mad at somebody. And I can tell you that joy and gentleness would not describe the way they approach their relationships. And they are definitely not walking in peace. So let me ask you, are you mad at anyone? Are you having conflict with anyone? Are you carrying hurt or offense? Can I just lovingly encourage you this morning to do whatever it takes to let it go? The Bible tells us to pursue peace with all people as much as it is possible with us. That means to do our part, to do what we can do on our end. You know, we can't make anyone else respond the way we want them to respond. They may never respond the way we want them to respond. And if they don't, you know what? It's okay. Because it's between them and God. We're not responsible for them. But we are responsible for ourselves. We need to do our part to forgive to give it to God, to receive his healing, and choose to let it go. And you know, letting it go does not excuse what someone did to you. It just repositions you from being a victim with no peace to having victory 
because you walk in peace. So that's Paul's first lesson for us if we want to walk in greater peace. Refuse conflict. Second thing, look at verse 6. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The second thing he wants us to learn here is don't worry. Any worriers in the house? Oh, a few honest people. Wow. <laughs> what is worry? It's being anxious, fearful, meditating on the negative. Maybe negative things that have been said to you, negative things that have been done to you, or maybe negative things that you're afraid might happen. And you replay those things over and over and over and over in your mind. We need to realize that worry will always rob our peace. It is impossible to be peaceful and to be worrying all at the same time. Impossible. You know, when Paul was imprisoned, he could have easily been consumed with worry. He could have said, am I ever going to get out of here? Is my life over with? Is, it, is ministry done? Is this, is this it? Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? He could have been consumed with worry, but instead of wasting time worrying, the peace in his heart enabled him to write letters to the churches that he had relationship with, and those letters became a good portion of the New Testament. Peace allowed him to fulfill purpose. So how did he do it? How did he keep from worrying? He tells us in that verse we just read. He says, pray. In everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God wants us to bring everything to him. Did you know that? It amazes me how often I'll be talking with someone and they'll say, well, should I really talk to God about that? I mean, is it really okay to talk to God about this? Yes! He wants us to talk to him about everything. I mean, think of a parent with a little child. Doesn't the parent want the child to come and tell them everything they're feeling? They're, if they're afraid of something, if they're going through something, you want to know as a parent, right? How much more our Heavenly Father, he wants to know everything. He wants us to pour out everything. We can pour out our hurts. We can pour out our frustrations, our confusion, our questions, everything. We can bring it to him, and he wants us to to because that's what opens the door for him to get involved in our lives. Because otherwise, if we don't and we continue worrying and being in fear, it will cause us to try to control everything around us. That's what worry produces. One thing I've learned about human nature is that we don't like the unknown. We want to know what's coming. And if we don't know, then we jump in to take charge to try to orchestrate events so we make sure that things unfold the way we want them to. Not that any of you would ever have done anything like that. But you know, I was thinking about that the other day. And I thought, you know, when we ask Jesus to be Lord of our lives, 
Lord literally means boss. And the boss is the boss. Like he's in charge, right? He's in control. So we want to have relationship with him, but we don't really want to relinquish control. But our attempts to control usually only get in God's way. I think very often God's just sitting back. Are you done yet? Are you going to stop controlling anytime soon so I can get involved? Because he will orchestrate things far better than any of us ever can. And he is always out for our very best. But he doesn't force himself on us. He wants us to ask for his involvement through prayer. And I love that it says to pray with thanksgiving. Because, you know, some prayers are faith-filled and some prayers are doubt-filled. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, there's the prayers like, oh, God, this is so big. I mean, I don't know if you could do anything about this, but I don't know. If you can, could you try? Doubt-filled prayer, okay? But a faith-filled prayer <laughs> is one that comes to God full of confidence that he is going to hear and to answer. We can bring everything to him and say, God, I thank you that this situation might be big, but there is nothing too big and there is nothing too difficult for you. And I thank you that your word says that you hear and you answer my prayers and that you are with me, that you've got me, that you perfect all that concerns me. And when we pray with thanksgiving, thanking him for his faithfulness, those are faith-filled prayers. We won't pray with thanksgiving unless we are genuinely believing and trusting God. And that is what causes verse 7 to happen. He continues on and says, Then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, God's peace is not based on circumstances. So even when things seem overwhelming, or when we haven't seen the answer, or when in the natural it looks like there is no human reason to have peace, we can have the peace of God. It is a supernatural peace that surpasses everything else. And when we learn to walk in that peace, it will become a guard around our mind and our heart. And that word guard is used in a military sense, meaning to stand at a post and guard against the aggression of the enemy. You see, Jesus provided supernatural peace for us so that his peace could guard and protect our minds and our hearts from the turmoil the enemy would try to bring upon us. So, have you been worrying? Have you been anxious about anything? Can I encourage you to take time to pray about it? Pray with thanksgiving, fully trusting and believing that God is at work. And then the peace of God will guard and help you take the next step. And then the next step. And the next step, and before you know it, you will be walking in the peace of God.
The third lesson that Paul gives us here is in verse 8, and it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Third lesson is think God's thoughts. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, probably because I refer to it pretty much every day and it continuously transforms my life. But early in my walk with God, I really didn't understand this verse. I thought, well, what does this mean? I mean, am I supposed to think about butterflies and flowers all day? Am I uh, supposed to think about what heaven is going to be like all day? What does this mean? Am I supposed to walk around just praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord all day? No, God has given us minds to use to be productive and effective people not to be weird and act like we're floating on clouds, okay? <laughs> and Paul gives us a little more insight into how to walk this verse out in 2 Corinthians 10. In verse 5, he tells us that it is up to us to take our thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of Christ. That means we need to catch those negative thoughts because you know how it is. You can have a negative thought and in the matter of three seconds, you are in this downward tailspin. Ever been there? It can happen so fast. So we've got to learn to catch those thoughts, to take them captive immediately, and then to bring them to the word and say, does this line up with God, what God's word says? We need to get our thoughts aligning with God's thoughts. Now, Paul learned how to do this. I mean, he was personally severely persecuted for sharing the gospel. He could have easily been overwhelmed with thoughts of fear. Well, what's going to happen next? Who's going to be after me next? Who's going to try to kill me next? He could have constantly been living, looking over his shoulder. But he didn't. He allowed his thoughts to be God's thoughts. He allowed his thoughts to be I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He chose to walk in peace rather than fear. And we can do that too. Anybody ever get frustrated with anyone? You know, I'm human. On occasion, I might get frustrated with someone. And this is one of those areas where I have learned to put this verse of Philippians 4.8 into practice because it is easy to think on the negative. Why did they do that to me? Why did they say that to me? Why are they doing that? What in the world is wrong with them? And we can think on all of the negative things and replay them over and over, rehearsing them a million times. And all that does is perpetuate the frustration and rob us of our peace. But if we take those thoughts captive immediately and align them with what God's thoughts are and say, wait a minute, that person is made in the image and likeness of God. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. I am going to recognize the gifts and the talents that he has put within them. And we start focusing on the good things within them, the things that are praiseworthy within them. It can change everything. When your spouse is driving you crazy, stop rehearsing the things that are driving you crazy and start thinking about the things that you fell in love with about them. It can change everything. When circumstances are challenging, 
and the fear tries to come and all the negative thoughts, take those thoughts captive and start thinking what God's word says, meditating on his thoughts. It's going to be an ongoing process for all of us. But we need to be willing to start taking those steps. So let me ask you today, do your thoughts need any adjusting? Do they need to become a little more like God's thoughts? These verses make it very clear to us that we have control over what we think. We can choose to think thoughts that destroy our peace, or we can choose to think on the things that cause us to access God's peace by faith and walk in his peace. And that brings us right back to verse 9, where in essence Paul is saying, these are the things I've learned. And if you do these things, you will walk in peace too. Peace, wholeness, soundness of mind. It was paid for each and every one of us on Calvary. We have been given a covenant of peace. But it is up to us to access that peace by faith and to choose to grow in it and walk forward in peace. I want to share a story with you of a woman that I met a number of years ago in church and I was serving with her in an area of the church and she was so happy and so peaceful all the time. I loved being around her. And then one day, she began sharing her story with me. And I was shocked to find out that she had battled severe depression for 30 years to the point where she couldn't get out of bed to take her children when they were young to school. She had much difficulty even caring for them. And she tried different treatments that didn't work. And she's sharing this with me, and I was just blown away. I said, wait a minute, how did you, dealing with all of that, become this amazingly peaceful and joyful person today? And she looked at me, and without hesitation, she said, I chose. Wow. Those words just pierced my heart and made me realize how important our choices are and that peace has been provided for us, but we can choose to walk in it. We can choose to access it and take steps by faith to grow in peace. And for some people, it may happen so simply and so quickly. And for other people, it may be much more of a process. But God wants us to start that process so that we can walk daily in all of the peace that he has already purchased for us. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've been dealing with some extreme inner turmoil, mental, emotional anguish. Or maybe you're here and you just have some little situations that are trying to rob your peace. Or maybe you're somewhere in between. 
whoever you are and whatever you're dealing with, God wants you to know that peace has been provided for you. And he wants you to take a step of faith, one step at a time, to access all of the peace that is yours. Now, I want to pray for you today. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads right there where you're at? Whatever you're dealing with, God knows. He knows you. He knows the circumstances. He knows all of it. But as I pray, I want to ask you to extend your faith to him this morning and to choose, make a decision that you are going to access more of the peace that's been provided to you. Father, God, I thank you first and foremost that Jesus endured mental and emotional anguish. He took that on himself on the cross of Calvary so that we would not have to carry the pain of that, that we can be free from the pain. Thank you. And Father, I pray that each of us would have a greater and fuller revelation of that. God, I pray that faith would arise in our hearts and we would choose to access your peace by faith. And Father, I pray that you would meet each person's faith right now, that you see where they're at. God, meet them where they're at. Father, for those who have been facing extreme, severe inner turmoil, I take authority of that inner turmoil and I command it to stop now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that your peace, that supernatural peace, would wash over their minds and their hearts. Father, I pray that your peace would stand guard over their minds and their hearts that they would sense your peace with them right now. And God, that you would help them, that you would show them one step at a time how to walk forward into the fullness of the peace that you have provided for us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And while your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe you're here in this place today and maybe you're saying, yeah, I need the peace of God, but maybe you haven't yet experienced peace with God. That is the starting point. We'll never be able to experience the peace of God until we make our peace with God by entering into relationship with him, surrendering to him and asking him to be the Lord of our lives. And we do that First of all, in our hearts, by believing that Jesus is the Son of God. And secondly, with our words, by asking him to become the Lord of our life and surrendering our lives to him. So we are all going to pray together and have the opportunity to make peace with God. And if that's you and you want to make your peace with God, would you just wrap your heart around these words as we all pray together? Can we all repeat this prayer together? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're my Father. That you sent Jesus to die for me so I can live in relationship with you. And right now I surrender my life to you. 
and I ask you to become Lord of my life. Help me to grow in relationship with you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, if you chose to make your peace with God today, that is the greatest decision you can ever make. And we just want to put a little gift in your hands. It's really just a little tool to help you get started walking in relationship with God. It's a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. And after we dismiss, you can get that in a couple of ways. You can get it out at the Next Seven Days desk in the foyer. And you can also get one from our prayer teams who will be down front. And I want you to know our prayer teams are down front at the end of every service to pray with anyone about anything. So if you need prayer for anything, please come and talk to them. And then I just want to ask if everyone can just hang tight. We've got a couple other things that we're going to be doing before our service concludes. And we've got a a very important announcement at the very end of service. So if you can just hang with us, that would be awesome. But as Pastor Corey comes, can we welcome new people into God's family today? Awesome. Hey, can we say thank you to Pastor Ann for that awesome message? On behalf of all the note takers and the concrete sequentials, thank you for that awesome and very structured message. Hey, so this is a time in our service where we get to worship God through our giving. You're going to see several options on the screen. And if you're here today and maybe you're a guest, you're visiting your first time, hey, there's never any pressure or compulsion to give. But uh, this is our time where we worship God through our giving. And, and Pastor Ann, she was talking about um, peace today. Have you ever noticed that in any area of life, if we put anything before God, we begin to lack peace in that area? If you don't know, I'm the youth pastor here, and um, I see this type of stuff with teenagers all the time. This last Wednesday night, we had over three, we had just about 300 teenagers in our youth services this last Wednesday. So much of that is because of, it really wouldn't be possible if not for faithful, generous people like yourselves. And I get into conversations with these young people all the time, and, and often when I see young people begin to prioritize school and their grades over God, they'll begin to have stress and anxiety in school instead of choosing to glorify God through their schooling. Or, or I see somebody who um, is in sports and, and they begin to prioritize that sport, which ultimately the gifting and the talent came from God anyways, but that thing ends up superseding their relationship with God and all of a sudden they don't have peace in that place and in that area. Don't even get me started on when teenagers start dating and they put that relationship before their relationship with God. Let me say it like this. Um, prioritizing God paves the way for peace. I think that that's why Matthew 6.33 says, seek first his kingdom. All this other stuff, God's going to take care of it. Amen? And in giving, it's really one of the ways in which we prioritize God in our finances. And when we do, we can trust that God's peace is going to flood our hearts and our lives in our finances. And let me just take a moment to say, as your youth pastor, thank you. Thank you so much for your generosity. I know not everybody here gets to see the impact that you're making in so many areas, from community care to women's to men's ministry all over the world. Pastor Gary's in India right now, and, but also in our youth ministries. And I get to see it every week, and it absolutely would not be possible without generous, faithful people like yourself. So let me just say thank you. And as the ushers come and as we prepare to give, let's watch church news together.
Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Nicole, and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you enjoy your morning in church and that you and your family have a wonderful time. We are excited for everything this season has in store for our church. We hope you will find your place and be a part of what's happening this fall at The Bridge. Here's a look at what's coming up. Guys, Bridge Men is coming up in just a few days on Tuesday, November the 12th at 6.30 p.m. This night is for men of all ages, and we want to encourage you to come. It doesn't matter if you are single, married, have kids, or don't. These nights are a great opportunity to come and be encouraged by other guys who want to grow in their walk with God. It's also a great opportunity to just make some new friends. This month, we will be talking about what it means to be a man of God in the workplace, a topic that is relevant to all of us. So guys, make your plans to be here on Tuesday, November the 12th at 6.30 p.m. for Bridgman. about our 2020 Holy Land Tour and our deadline to secure your place is just two weeks away. This trip will take place June 3rd through 13th and we'll visit most of the famous locations in the Bible. We'll journey from Caesarea by the Sea to Mount Carmel, the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, and Masada. Our journey will conclude in Jerusalem where we will walk the Via Della Rosa, visit the Wailing Wall, journey to Golgotha, and conclude with a communion service at the Garden Tomb. If you are interested in joining us, pick up a flyer at the Information Center today, and we will have one last informational meeting next Sunday, November 10th, immediately following the first service in the Youth Center. And there, we will answer any questions you might have. We hope to share this amazing journey with you. Bridge, we want to personally invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in the church. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also download the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning with us. We love spending our Sundays with you. Hey, two very quick things before you go. Hey, ladies in the room. Hey, all the ladies say hey. Love it. Uh, this Tuesday, we have a very exciting Bridge Women happening. We got guest speaker, Pastor Joyce from OV Church in Calamesa coming out. You don't want to miss that. Show up this Tuesday morning for Bridge Women. But also, the clocks have rolled back. It's getting cold. You know what that means? The holidays are here. We have an amazing opportunity of generosity in front of us as a church. Our community care program is going to be doing our Thanksgiving meals again, and it all starts this morning. There's two ways that you can get involved. Uh, you can uh, pick up either one of these flyers that just commits to saying, hey, I'm going to buy a frozen turkey, 
Or you can pick up one of these bags right here that's saying, uh, I'm going to fill this bag with these different things, which are just the sides and stuff for Thanksgiving. This is our way of saying, hey, we want any and everybody to, who calls the Bridge Church home, anyone in our area that's in need, we want to make sure that they're going to have a great Thanksgiving dinner. So you can pick these up today right outside as you walk into our foyer. Turn left in the corner of our foyer. We have a table set up right there. You could grab one of these or you could grab both of them and just help be a part of providing Thanksgiving meals for people this Thanksgiving. The way it will work is next Sunday and the following Sunday, you just bring your items and you leave them at the bumper of your car right when you arrive. Our team will be going through the parking lot picking them all up. It's that simple. So, hey, together, can we just make sure everybody in our area has an amazing Thanksgiving dinner and people will be blessed shown the love of Jesus through that. Amen? Have you enjoyed being in church today? Hey, we love you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Stop at the table to the left out in the foyer.